Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello. It's your boys. Happy Monday morning or whenever you're listening to this, but it should be Monday. Because yes. you want to start your week right with only stupid answers. It's the best thing podcast you can put your moist... There it is. Little the ears in two. You know what? I have to assume that that has driven some people away from this podcast when I do that. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have to assume. The voice of that mouth sound is Sam Basher. And yeah. the, this the, voice of this mouth sound is DJ Woldridge. <laughs> just a couple mouth sounds here making mouth sounds. Yeah, we're just a couple mouth sounds. Baby. Yeah. Baby. This is the podcast where we talk about movies. Yes. TV shows. Yes. Video games. Yes. Comic books. Yes. Dogs. She is sound asleep. Why are you harassing my dog? I thought she'd wake up when I put the mic in her face. Yeah. Most people... She is super comfortable. Oh, she's cute. Yeah. We have a dog in the studio now. It's pretty cool. Wait, I'm going to take a picture of the some... studio dog and maybe post it. Maybe we can post it on the... She's something. bad at when you take photos of her. She'll run away. Does she know? Hold on. We're going to take a photo really quick. This is good for the audio podcast <laughs> hey you know what if it turns out well we'll, we'll post yeah. it so you guys can take a peek uh but yes every monday morning sam and dj are gonna be talking about things they want to talk about things in the news you get the deal but currently on a weekly basis we're talking about all the superhero shows over at patreon.com slash only stupid answers yeah every thursday on super tv showdown specifically we're doing a countdown to crisis on infinite earths if you go to youtube.com slash only stupid answers mm-hmm. i know i'm giving you a lot of destinations right yeah. now but you can get a little taste of our Ooh, review just a little taste with our reviews of titans and our countdown to crisis video just talking about all the casting news and all the rumors and the theories and the you can join for as low as five bucks a month and get the audio podcast on our patreon you can join the community you can be a part of our discord and leading up to the big crossover it's gonna be pretty dang cool and roxy stryer again is joining us this year it's a blast hopefully you guys do not miss out also little plug if you go subscribe to one more time mm-hmm. with sam basher anywhere you get your podcast i'm talking about avatar the last airbender and i've had a couple guests come on dj Walden, that's me and talk about uh movies that uh weren't so kind to them and we re- we revisit them and see if they've been better uh my next episode a little tease uh, Pat Graziosi of Play Noggin, Life Noggin uh, fame. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch. I asked him what movie made him angry, and yeah. he said Suicide Squad. And I'm like, that's the one I haven't revisited since yeah. the theaters. I'll check that out there again. You go. I didn't get angry at it. I'll say a beer really softened up a lot of the sharp parts of that movie. Yeah. I'm excited to see Will Smith do gun tricks. <laughs> that's cool. I don't think I'm going to like a lot of the other parts in that movie. Yeah, it's, yeah. El Diablo. Yeah, I, I actually liked El Diablo. I did too. Katana, her sword. Yeah, Katana was a little rough. Back. The actress is good in the boys. She is. Yeah. I met her one time. Nice. She was nice. Yeah. We snuck, uh, we snuck into a park with some friends at night to watch a meteor shower. Oh, cool, cool, And cool. I didn't know who it was until later. I was like, whoa, shit, she's got a lot of followers. I was like, who's <laughs> this person? I was like, oh, wait, it's Katana, my best friend. Her sword <laughs> she's got my back. sucks the souls out of her enemies. You guys get it. Uh, DJ, yeah. what are you into this week? Okay, so um, I am obsessed now with Gennady Tartikovsky's Primal. we got to talk about it. It's so I am, cool. I am... How have you watched? Have you watched any more since no, last week? Okay. I chose between Good Place and Primal, and I wanted it's to fair. feel it's good. A, that's a that's a well, Primal makes me feel great. I the d- first episode is tough. Yeah, <laughs> the first episode is tough. First episode is is the toughest. Um, but here's the thing. So for those of you that do not know, if you just look up uh, Adult Swim Primal or again look up Adult Swim uh, Primal because Gendy Tartakovsky's name isn't the easiest to spell. Nope. Um, also, I every time you say it to me, yeah. my brain kind of forgets a part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think it's like Gendry. Yeah. Gendy. Gendy Tartakovsky. Tartakovsky. And I'm probably saying it wrong too. But um, he did uh, Dexter's Lab and Samurai Jack and the Hotel Transylvania movies because you got to pay your bills. He did uh, those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Directed? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, uh, you got to pay your bills. Um, I haven't seen them, and I've, I've heard I've heard there's elements that people really like. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a reason there's three of them. Um, but uh, so th- they just recently did like a belated final season for Samurai Jack, and that was well received. So I guess he and Adult Swim were chit chatting, and he revisited this concept that if you, if you look it up, there's a caveman um, who 
in production materials is referred to as Spear, who hangs out with a T-Rex who is referred to as Fang. Uh, and they just go on these primeval adventures. Um, it's it's like old cartoon. It, honestly, uh, it it's like if you paired like an old school Hanna Barbera, like Herculoids or something like that, where you, you got characters hanging out with prehistoric creatures. Meets the opening sequence of two thousand one with the cavemen mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't. I just saw an image. I heard about the creator and I'm like, I'm on board. I'll check it out. And I didn't bother. I didn't. I, this is a habit I've gotten into. So it's like the guy that did The Witch, he's doing The Lighthouse. Cool. And I, I didn't realize until we sat down, I'd never actually watched a trailer. I just knew I was going to go see it. Oh, really? It. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't bother because I knew I was going to go see it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want it. With our job, if I can't avoid spoiling myself or something, I, I don't. You know what I mean? Um, so I didn't look it up. I didn't look at anything. And I, and I didn't spend any brain space trying to figure out what the show would be. I just knew. Caveman, dinosaur, kicking ass. I'm in. I spilled really hot tea on my tummy. <laughs> Go on. That's how excited, how excited he is. Look at this dumb lid. Sorry, yeah. audio listeners. Take a peek at this. There's mm-hmm. two holes. Yeah, that seems like a mistake. Big, you big should, holes. You should pick one because it's obviously they're trying to get rid of the straw situation. So you should be able to choose between the straw hole and the other hole. I'll put my finger over it. That'll be great. Don't do that. You're going to burn your finger. So, um, still spilling somehow. I'll stop for a second. Uh, so when I went and watched it, I it quickly becomes apparent that there is no dialogue in the entire show. Pretty cool. It is all just visual, it is completely visual storytelling. And like I said, I thought, uh, uh, caveman kicking ass with a dinosaur, which happens. What I didn't expect is. Caveman kills a mammoth and has an existential moment where he remembers times with his kids and he has to deal with the nature of being alive in this world. And it's like, and you, I start getting emotional because of the way the show conveys emotional beats. Like it, it is, it is, it is gripping and is involving and just the, the audacity of in the experimentation of just trying to convey ideas through narrative storytelling, there's this one trick that I start picking up on. There's only five episodes in the first season. Thank God we're getting five more. We are? Yeah. There's going to be a second yeah, season? there's going to be another five episodes, and hopefully forever and ever. Because mm-hmm. right? I just it, uh, he compared it to like reading Robert E. Howard's Conan the Barbarian stories, and, um, and it, which I, I heard about, and... It made a lot of sense because if you look at the main, if you look at Spear, there's a lot of like Conan, Conan influence yeah. in there. But there's this trick. They do this, they do this little visual trick where like his his face, face is like a perma grimace, and then a shot will linger on him for a while, and then at the very last second, he just smiles a little bit, just a tiny bit. And it's just this really like heartwarming. And I, I just assumed that this guy was going to be like a classic like. Wolverine, Conan, just like angry and killing things all the time. But like the emotional depth of Spear and the range of feelings and emotions they're able to convey through this character. And Fang is a, is like this perfect like cartoon animal companion, um, kind of in the vein of the dragons in How to Train Your Dragon, where there is a sort of preternatural understanding Um but it's still an animal. So it's like when you're, you and your dog kind of have a rapport, but it's still, it's kind of doing its own thing. You know what I mean? Like, like you have a, you, you can, you can teamwork, but it's still like, there's certain things or ideas. It's just not going to pick up on. Cause it's just now it's doing its own thing. You know what I mean? And you're not able to communicate directly at this show. So I watched a good chunk of the first episode and, it and does, the intro is perfect. Oh yeah. It's, but like they do a good job making you feel it is scare. It's scary yeah. uh, to, put it super plainly like you see uh spear go fishing yeah. and no talking um and he has encounters from fishing to walking back to his let's say settlement yeah keep it, keep it really vague um where he just encounters giant creatures yeah. like or like dinosaurs or whatever yeah. and um and it, you can feel his fear but when it passes you go back to what you were doing like yeah. it's not and it's not it, not acknowledging it it's just what it is for him and yeah. it does such a good job where it's like man i wouldn't want to live here but i do want to know how he gets around doing yeah. this and that i like you pointed out there's a close-up moment where he gets like a valley and he's just looking over from a hill mm-hmm. and it, it gets a close-up on his face he's stern 
but he just cock. It's always like a half grin. Yeah. Maybe he does bigger ones later, but it's like this half grin where it's you get that feeling yeah. like when you go on like a road trip yeah, and yeah, you yeah. Uh, are able to like look over like you just like go by a farm filled with cows and you're like yeah. that's kind of nice. Like it's yeah, like a, yeah. you're just taking in the moment for a second and it allows the character to have some depth. And I I really appreciate it. The only reason I haven't watched more is one is been a, a busier than usual week for me. And um, the first episode's free on AdultSwim.com, and the rest yeah. are you can get through cable or through Apple. And, and eventually come to Hulu. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming it'll come to to Hulu and just if you get a chance check it out because there's just the amount of I will if there is a complaint it's that some of the episodes struggle to fill that 22 minute timeline you know the 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 plotting is a little thinner than 22 minutes sometimes but like the amount of and, and there's so many times where something will happen I'm like either shocked at the at the audacity or like little visual story like there's so many times where they'll do a little visual storytelling touch that it's like oh that was perfect yeah there's a time where he's fighting a giant dinosaur and he and he stabs it in the head and then they do a close-up of the dinosaur's eye Mm -hmm. and uh this this red spirals in like uh, the blood filling eye and so you you, it's conveyed the idea that he's he's killed it and it's and there's another one where he's fighting this eight man which is it the last episode the first episode, uh, I think the middle episode with the mammoths, and then the last episode are my three favorites, but they're all winners. He's fighting this ape man, and uh, close up on the ape man, close up on him. You see them apart from each other, and then it pulls out, and you see where they're fighting. It's just just little touches that it's like expertly put together. Uh, I, I, I we talked about this the other day where it's like it's a bummer that like uh, you know a lot of more there, there's there's not very many complicated like mainstream movies like the stuff the cinema we used to get has been kind of regulated to Netflix and all that stuff but on the other hand we have this now and like I couldn't imagine any other time this would have just gotten through like what you want two characters that cannot communicate at all and you just want a pure cartoon and and that's the thing that blows my mind because a lot of stuff and and we all love adult swim uh, but it's and it adult swim's view veered into more like absurdism of late but like a lot of adult oriented cartoons are like oh they say dick and fuck and they talk about sex and it's and not that that's bad but in western audiences that is what we consider uh cartoons for adults Mm -hmm. this on the other hand is violent and intense but the type of storytelling the idea of doing it without any language with any like dialogue or anything it's mature it requires you to pay attention and and um and evokes a level of empathy that uh, other other stories aren't doing, um, and so God bless it, man. I I'm, I I can't wait till they make a spear and fang action figure. I want it. It'll I, be a Comic Con next I, year. I, I I'll go just for that. I wish um, we stayed at Fantastic Fest. I, I don't. We stayed as long as we, yes. we should have. But if we stayed one more day, we would have been able to see the first episode, and I think maybe the first couple episodes. And Gandhi probably would have been there. That yep. would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's so I'm just blown. I I expected to enjoy it. I did not expect to be as blown away as I was, or as invested. Because um, with the mammoth episode, it opens with you see this herd of mammoths, and it's like it's it's towering, it's imposing. They're 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 uh, uh, ranging through the snow. It's intimidating, and then as they pull away, you see this like old tired one off in the distance, and you immediately have an emotional connection with without anybody telling, no voiceover, no nothing, just with visual storytelling. Like you immediately know what the deal is. You have an emotional connection to this thing. Um, and it's not even one of your protagonists. Mm-hmm. I like that he's kind of a he's smaller in stature as yeah. a human being. Like he's and, he's he's muscular, but at the same time, like and you can kind of feel the power that he has. Like he could yeah. he can survive he's, in this yeah, world. He's imposing. But then, like you get a scene where oh, super vague. Yeah. You see a group of kind of like t-rexes basically yeah. small ones and then the, an enormous one in the background yeah and you're able to be like oh that doesn't quite matter exactly you survive as much as you can they're really good with that too because the other thing with fang um is that uh fang compared to other creatures actually is not that big fang is like a little bit bigger than spear is mm. um uh so especially with what you're talking about you get one later and you're like oh Jeff, i thought fang was big and now this thing is crazy mm-hmm. um and so they, they do a good job with that as well that the, these these two characters need each other to survive uh, this nightmare escape mm-hmm. of a world but the other cool thing is just like conan the barbarian or other pulp stories there's this feeling of like 
you could do anything. Mm-hmm. Like you could do it. Like you could have evil Skeletor like wizards somewhere off in the in this whatever world this is and because obviously all bets are off you've got a caveman hanging out with dinosaurs clearly this isn't any meant to be any real time like mm-hmm. it could be like a land before time that so it feels very hanna-barbera yeah, yeah theoretically you could have like nazi warplanes crash land and then they have to deal with those guys because oh. the modern world could be happening outside of wherever the hell this is like a land of the lost yeah, yeah. You, you could do uh, as long as it doesn't break that that focus on visual storytelling you really could do anything mm-hmm. and that's really cool mm-hmm I'm excited to Huge finish fan. the season and get more episodes because it looks really cool. I'm going to give a shout-out. Before we get into El Camino and Breaking Bad, because that's what we're going to be talking about this week because I also yes. want to tell stories about the premiere because that was really fun. We did a review on YouTube.com slash Might Be Awesome, and that was fun, so you can check that out there. But it's more just an in-depth discussion of the what this thing is. Yeah. I wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Superman Smashes the Clan. It is oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. an adaptation of a radio play from the 19... 19- 40s i'd say early yeah. 40s um I and the radio play is a huge part of the superman superman story superman i, I believe um 1946 uh kryptonite was first in, introduced in the radio play superman flew for the first time in the radio play um there's a lot of really important things that are now like fixed points in the superman mythos that were part of the early radio plays mm-hmm. it's so this is like we said it's an adaptation but the the rough story is it's following Superman before he... It's when he has, like, the classic powers. he got yeah. super speed. Not flying. He's strong, yeah. not flying, but fun tidbit. This is from the radio play is that he would run on telephone poles. Yeah, So sure. you would just watch, like, this blur of red and blue go by on top of a telephone mm-hmm. pole. And you know, oh, that's Superman. He's yeah. going by. Which I'm like, that sounds a little silly now. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's got the costume with, like, the black behind the S emblem. I'm going to be honest. This is my favorite version of the Superman costume. It's really cool. And also, I like this Clark Kent Lois and Jimmy Olsen being a big part of it. So, the, But the other main characters are the Lees, and they are uh, an Asian-American family yep. moving from the Chinatown district in Metropolis to more of the suburbs. And yep. because the dad got a job at a at like a water plant basically and now mm-hmm. then now the kids get to you know they have a nicer house now they get yeah. they're not like they're not really with um other immigrants now they're more integrated into the general population yeah and it's dealing with the immediate like casual racism from people yeah. and the overtly racism or racist parts and it's just really interesting because with the introduction of kryptonite it, Basically, it feels like it was introduced in this story. Interesting. And it doesn't behave the way... Because I'm like, is it kryptonite? Because it starts doing some weird, weird nice. stuff. Also, I think it's like a loose interpretation of Chris, uh, Superman's origin story. Interesting. Yeah. it's yeah, There's I, a very weird dream sequence that happens. And I'm like, this might just be how they described it in the radio. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Because it works in the story. And there's a very cool Superman moment mm-hmm. where you're like... Oh, he's gonna be okay. I yeah. get why. Like you understand who this creator, this creation was from two kids who were in the ghetto in yep. New York, right? Yeah. Um, and it was someone who was meant to protect them. Yeah. So this is from the point of view of uh, Asian American immigrants thinking of someone who could be there for them. And and the, the KKK are not the villains of the story. It's it's in just a stand-in for them. But it's basically yeah, the same it's the, thing. Because I, I think at the time uh, I was reading a, an interview with the creator, which I picked up this comic as well. I yeah. just haven't had a chance to read it yet. Um, it was basically like uh, Gene Lu and Yang. Yeah, the when this radio play was happening, the the clan was the, a problem. <laughs> it was it was a problem, and so the Superman were created the the people running the radio show were like, either they were they might have been um, asked to, uh, or it was more like fuck this shit, and so they they wanted to do something about it, um, which it's always cool, and it feels like it doesn't happen or maybe it just happens differently but it's cool when it's like you have this character that's supposed to be doing heroic things and so the people use as an outlet to do something positive mm-hmm. that's cool and like you know not to get too political but then like you hear like someone wanted to write uh, a piece for marvels like 1000 like a oh yeah, yeah. Uh, mark compendiums Wade. yeah was it was oh. mark Wade because oh the compendium was um, uh, you know what i'm talking of, about of mouse but also mark wade that's what i'm talking about um was gonna do uh uh essay in in marvel number 1000 and they pulled it yeah yeah and that's because of certain they didn't want to alienate certain people and it's like Ike Perlmutter, the guy that's who they didn't want to alienate, the guy that Good runs point. the, yeah, the publishing I mean, line. Um, but not to get into that, it's yeah. but like you said, to your point, that it is nice seeing a character used in a way like that that, that would resonate with pe- people who, not only that, like 
think about who's going to be listening to radio plays and who's going to be investing yeah. in these characters. And it, and it it's really cool because in the back of the book, because this will be multiple issues. I don't know yeah. if it's like just two. Or there will be another one at the very least. The story's not over. It's three. Um, it's three. One cool. of three, yeah. yeah. Um, December, though, is when the next one's coming yeah, out. Yeah, I think it's a, a two-month gap. But to be, it's a meaty book. Yeah, it's 70, yeah. 70 pages. Um, <laughs> he has a whole thing in the back of the book about his relationship with Superman, uh, the relationship that Superman meant to immigrants back then. Also, uh, kind of a history lesson of the clan yeah. about like when it was created and wh- how big it got like how membership in the third 20s and 30s yeah. were in the millions yeah. in the United States and then by the 40s it had dropped to like like I'm going to say tens of thousands like yeah. it really yeah, fell back decline. but that doesn't mean that all of that baked in racism yeah. didn't it didn't just poof and disappear like yeah. it just people weren't overtly walking around wearing robes so yeah. um it's really interesting, and I like the entire. And there's also good a fair amount of sci-fi in there, and the way that they write the kids is really nice. That's cool because like they get in fights because siblings. Yeah, but at the same time, they like fist fights. They, they break glasses. And they, like, hey. but they love each other. They really yeah. love each other, and it's it's a nice it's a nice relationship to see. Because I'm getting, I, you know, you get tired of like the little sister older brother relationship. Yeah. And so like the little sister is going to be annoying or mm-hmm. whatever, and the older brother is going to be a bully or whatever. Yeah. It's, no, it it. it it is that in spurts, but then yeah. you get to see how they behave with one another, and it's different. Yeah, I love the idea. It's because I think things we forget with characters like Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman because they've been around forever, and they're such a part of the pop culture zeitgeist now. That you, yeah, yeah, that you forget stuff like the idea that Superman is the ultimate Im- immigrant. Uh-huh. You know, and another thing that I was just thinking about the other day is the original, um, and maybe it's because I was looking at this cover, the original uh, Fleischer cartoons, which I think all those are in DC Universe. Uh, some of them are a little dated in their politics, but uh, um, um, that opening intro with him standing and there's like a comment and stuff, it says, you know, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive. Uh, it's, you know, up, up in the air, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman, right? And that's just, that's just there in our brains. It's if you're if you're me, you grew up with that, and you don't really think it's like oh, Superman, everyone knows bird, bird playing right, yeah. Superman. But think about what that represented to somebody first. Think about going about your day to day life and looking up, and you see something in the sky, and your brain is first like well, bird, and mm-hmm. then it's like plane. It's like no, that's a person. Mm-hmm. And think about the what that idea represents. That idea of like that a man's capability that like maybe someday we can get to the point where we, the symbolism of being able to fly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's cool. And like, also with that, not only are you capable of doing that, but you're willing to help your fellow man. Yeah, like because that just doesn't represent, it, it, one, uh, cool visual, but also cool the idea of of capability and and what we can aspire to. But that aspiration is also tied up into a moral aspiration of being better and helping people and all that stuff. Like all that stuff is really cool. And I think just because, you know, you, you think about the costume and the glasses and uh, how do people not know it's Clark Kent and all that stuff, you forget of what that stuff, what those ideas meant. Because now it's like, you know, Iron Man can fly and Thor can fly and it's the, and we can do that with CG. Like when they first did the Christopher Reeve movie, it's like you will believe a man. They, they were advertising as you will believe a man can fly because that they had to accomplish that visually. Because <laughs> it used to be in the old um, uh, serials that when um, the, the ones that would like play before movies that were black and white and everything, when Superman flew, suddenly he'd become a cartoon mm-hmm. and then he'd fly and then he'd land and be a person again. Um, and make it work. Yeah. So it's just I, I those things like going back and thinking about what certain things represented at that time and what this character could continue to represent um, are really cool. Same could be said about Wonder Woman too. Like Batman's yeah. a fun is a fun pulp character. Yeah. I, there, there's been depth that's been added to him since then. But well, originally, also, a lot of people have picked apart. I think Batman's been the most dissected yeah. Yeah, yeah but with wonder woman that the idea of creating the character it's like if you wanted to have a warrior that came from a perfect society it's like yeah. oh, there's no men there then. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like you can that just debate that all you want somewhere no. else but it was a fun idea where it's just looking at how the world had been yeah you had just gotten out of two world wars yeah. and they were all started by men basically mm-hmm. it could be whittled down to yeah. if you wanted to to single men's actions across that affected millions of lives yeah. so he's like okay we'll create a society where there aren't any yeah um you don't have to think about anything else also the dude was kinky as hell so yeah, a lot of rope sure was. a lot of rope play but before we leave comics i do want to ask you about your thoughts on x-men number one because mm. we got that and that's a continuation of of the story that jonathan Hickman has been telling on house of x and powers of 10 slash x um 
and yeah, I wanted to know your thoughts about them. So I think it's fair to say that Wolverine and um, Cyclops mm-hmm. are both with uh, Marvel Girl, a.k.a. Jean Grey. Yeah. I say this because if you look at the diagram of their house, not only are they... Uh, the room orientation it, it, is... It's important to note that this is called the Summers House, and everybody that lives there is part of the Summers family, except for Wolverine. But the orientation of the rooms is Wolverine, yeah. Jean Grey, Cyclops. Yes with connecting doors yes, inside they, of the pods. It, they go out of their way to depict that there's a little gap in between their rooms that other rooms don't have. Yeah. So they're, And the one big law, besides kill no humans and a third one, uh, yeah. is... <laughs> Make uh, more mutants. Yep. Here's what, as quick as possible. <laughs> yeah, here, here's, what, here's what bothers me about that. Because it really like made me feel uncomfortable. And I was trying to figure out why. Grow up, DJ. Yeah. Your favorite kids' cartoons all doink. Yeah. But in, and Together. I, I figured out why. It's because that in this new, brave new X-Men world, you just referred to Jean Grey as Miss Marvel because that's the code name she's using now. And oh, she's Marvel Girl. Marvel yeah. Girl, sorry. Yeah, sorry, she's Miss Marvel's the Kamala Khan. Uh, Marvel Girl, and the costume is wearing is the same one she wore as a teenager, and that shit's gross. Hey, if you think about it this way. I can't get <laughs> yeah, That makes me uncomfortable. I, I uh, am getting a little burnt out on everybody talking like me. There's specifically a scene where Cyclops and Storm are taking out uh, uh, like a Sentinel factory. And Storm says something. This is not what she says, but the way it came across in me reading was like, these dirty humans. And I was like, whoa, time out. How did we go? It, it'd be like Peter Parker. It's like, fuck power and responsibility. I'm a god now. And it's like, but that's not what's happening. And maybe... I mean, I feel like it's obvious that there another shoe's going to drop, like this quote-unquote idealistic society, because Jonathan Engman's spending just as much time humanizing the the humans mm-hmm. to the point where it's like, I'm almost kind of rooting for them more. But I, I just don't know if I have the patience to wait for the characters to start sounding like it themselves. Is. The two characters that I, and I don't know if Vulcan sounds like himself, because I'm going to be honest, I skip most Vulcan stories. But he's fun. But the exchange between him and Logan at this like barbecue or whatever On was, was great. <laughs> it was really good. And I like this. I also don't really give a shit about Corsair. I liked his scenes. Because it, it's good to have an outsider be like, hey, this is kind of concerning. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But also... Uh, Jonathan Eggman's going to be doing 12 issues of this. At least that's what it's signed on to right now of this X-Men book. And also he's overseeing all the nine other ones that they're doing right now. So I have to wait another year. But I thought they were going to kind of like give me a hint of what is actually going on at the end of House of X and Powers of X. And I still don't know. So I'm gonna, maybe, am I going to read another 12 issues of this? And it's like, stay tuned for the next 12 issues of Yump. <laughs> How long, okay, well, here's the question. How long was Jonathan Hickman doing Avengers? Like five that, years. Oh, sorry, Fantastic Four. Like another five years. And that led to Secret, Secret Wars. Wars. It was a long-ass time. Hold on. Yeah, look it up. Because that's probably our timetable. Let's Or even have it. Just have it. How, how long, when was that, uh, roughly, if you had to guess? We'll look that up really quick. Uh, I will say I was bored <laughs> the whole time. Like, they do, like, that funeral on the station where they're building these big killer meat oh, yeah, robots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is happening with any of this right now. And it sucks. So I might not get a second issue of that. I'm, I might look at reviews, and I'll wait. I'll hear from, like, Danny M and other people in the chat to see what they think of of that issue of of the follow-up issue i might pick up marauders and a couple other ones yeah because i with you i might drop this i did see a preview for marauders and that looks pretty cool i keep seeing covers for it with kitty pride and it all looks really cool what's the dragon the dragon lockheed yeah super cool yeah yeah, yeah. lockheed martin it's pretty Mm -hmm. he's a he's a cool one he's an alien that's okay so dragon right yeah so his fantastic four run um encapsulates at least six volumes of trades um and then there's his ff run which I guess was 23 issues. And so his Fantastic Four run was 570 to 611. Mm. Um, so that's at least three. His FF run is like two years. So that's another three years, about five years. And then let's see his. Oh, he did some Avengers. His Avengers. Oh, this is hard to understand. When did Secret Wars come out? Secret Wars came out 2014, right? Oh, that's a good that's a good call. His Secret Wars came out in da, 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 2015. 2015. So, and he started let's let's 
um, when did he start his Avengers run? He started his Avengers run, it looks like, in 2013. That doesn't sound right. I mean, he was cooking. He yeah, was maybe really... they, they did. They double shipped. Um, and okay, then, and the, and here we go. 2010 is his first Fantastic Four book. And then and then that went through 2012. It looks like so. I guess maybe just or 2013. So I just Five all years. I have to do is wait two to three years or whatever. And he did Infinity. He was doing like nine books at the same time. So if you add them all up, there are a lot. So it is quite a bit, but. We're talking enough about nerdy shit. Let's talk about the cool, kick-ass stuff. Really one, quick. one last nerdy thing. As Sam mentioned at the beginning of the episode, check out Patreon.com/slash uh, Only Stupid Answers. <laughs> you really, your whole brain pooped out right there, huh? <laughs> so you can check out. Uh, it's talking about uh, Super TV Showdown, uh, where we talk about all the superhero shows. Uh, leading up to Crisis, because boy, baby, it's going to be big. And we were talking to some people today on Collider Live that were kind of like, I don't even know where to begin. Well, there you go. Just, just, just why? Yeah. Our show, yeah, and we'll help you out. But let's go ahead and kick off El Camino. DJ and I had yes. the pleasure of waiting seven hours in line to go see El Camino a couple of days before you nerds. <laughs> it, we were walked in late to the screening, but yeah. overall, I enjoyed it. It was worth it. Way to, a good way time. To, yeah, way to upsell our experience. <laughs> we did sit on the sun for a while. We were debating leaving for like a long time. <laughs> we were, but we got to see a lot of famous people walk close to us. <laughs> yes. We didn't we get did. to talk to him. No, 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 we didn't. No. Well, because we were, we were with a group of like hardcore, like hardcore. They were all like college kids. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was it, right next to UCLA. It, so it, uh, I had forgotten. You know what I they mean? Like, those. Well, you see, you no, know, I didn't. I hadn't forgotten. I didn't appreciate the distance between me and that age mm. until that moment. I was like, oh, it's been a minute. Uh, I, I chatted with some of them. I was like, oh, making yeah. I don't know what we were yeah. talking. We talked about some obviously. Yeah, but they were all like screaming and shouting at everybody. I was like, nah. I'm too old oh, for this those shit. people. Yeah, I'm yeah. too, I'm too old They're for like, this shit. you know what? If I keep, sc- one of them was like, if I scream, we can get Aaron Paul to come over. I'm like, yeah. Just, I need him just, to call me bitch. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's when I know I made it. Yeah, yeah. People are screaming at me to curse at them. <laughs> yeah. That's the dream. But yeah, we were able to see the movie. Um and it was good. And yeah, actually, there you go. There's the end. Twenty minutes yeah, yeah, yeah. left to go. No. Um but no, the movie was a fantastic experience, uh, especially to watch in that theater. I thought that was yes. pretty fun. Also just that it's sometimes fun where like kick ass moments happen, like the finale of this movie, the climax, once we yeah. peaked. Um I liked hearing like the whole crowd like freak out no um didn't really care for the other people around us being like and who's that again (laughs) you do your do your homework before you go to a screening yeah i also there was a couple next to me that i uh english was not their first language i want to say it was some like eastern european Mm -hmm. russian something and so I think uh, because this was in English, uh, the one you told of the, me we were going to <laughs> <laughs> one of them kept leaning over, and I, I don't know what was being said, but I wonder if it was just general explaining what was happening. And it's like yeah. I don't know what to do for you, man. Maybe maybe this wasn't the event for you. <laughs> but hey, you guys sure are pretty. Yeah. Um, but yes, you can watch El Camino right now anywhere you get your Netflix. Um, <laughs> And it stars anywhere Aaron, Netflixes are sold. Aaron Paul, Vince Gilligan wrote direct. Uh, Robert Forrester gives an amazing performance. Yes, uh, rest in peace. He it was very shocking to see this movie drop, and then yeah, and then and oh, he, and he dropped. Yeah, yeah that's unfortunate because he yeah. gives such an amazing performance. I've never yes. seen Jackie Brown. I know you've seen it. Yeah, I, you know what's interesting with Jackie Brown is um, it was kind of on my like you know because I first discovered Quentin Tarantino in college, probably like a lot of people. And, um, you know, you watch all the stuff and you're like, oof, Jackie Brown. Uh, no, thank you. And why is then, that? Uh, just because it moves because you, you're coming off of Pulp Fiction and Pulp Fiction um, has a very, very unique shape to it. Mm-hmm. And um, Jackie Brown is kind of a more traditional shape. I was re- I was listening to an interview with Quentin Tarantino recently because of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And he talked about how it's the type of movie that people usually make later in their careers. <laughs> Um, and so I think maybe based on that conversation or, you know, I've been writing my own stuff and I like to visit stuff within the same vein. I decided to revisit, um, Jackie Brown really good, like really good. Like people, even if they're talking about like people kind of like go back later and rediscover it, it's like, yeah, whatever. And then I rewatch it. I'm like, oh, actually this is, this is really solid because it's based off an Elmore Leonard book. Um, uh, I believe rum punch, um, and justified is also based off Elmore Leonard's work. And it turns out I'm just a big fan of Elmore Leonard because, or things at least based off of his stuff. Um, 
because it just has it, you could see why Tarantino liked it because it has a similar it moves similarly um, to his other the, the way he likes to tell stories but Robert Forster is a main character in that he's a bail bondsman um, and it's a very similar uh, the, I think the way he I was reading an interview with him I think the way he likes to describe it is a straight shooter which it's like yeah that's he's very good at those roles yeah, yeah, and they're very helpful and uh, I'd say this kind of genre where you're watching uh Bum- uh, let's, let's, I'll narrow it down to this story specifically yeah. where you're seeing bumbling idiots that are normal people trying to make it in the criminal world and you're like yeah. you're falling face first into a lot of these like a lot of these good things yeah. air quote good things for you yeah. um, and he very much kind of cuts through all the bullshit yep. and I, it's, it's a nice it's very, like guiding light where it's like you're not you're like I don't know that the, you know that whole like diagram of like chaotic good or yeah, neutral yeah, yeah, yeah. he's exactly neutral yeah Chaotic neutral? No, just neutral. Neutral, neutral. Neutral, neutral. neutral. Yeah, where yeah. He's not, he's like, yeah, you just got to follow the rules and we're good to go. I guess because technically he's a criminal, he's neutral bad. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. But it's just this idea of, and then his character in Jackie Brown would be neutral good, but it's just one of those like very deadpan, very cut through the bullshit, very just like it's straight shooter. You just know, you know what this guy's about. He has a code. Yeah. He's going to stick to the he's code. He's a wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not, you're not going to be able to really sway him yeah. in any way. And it's very. And you kind of assume that like within this movie, you assume there's like a crack in it. Like this, just this is kind of like a, a front. Mm-hmm. No, nope. <laughs> and he's like, no, we can uh, find. I he can un- he has emotions, so he can yeah. understand. Jesse. Oh, by the way, we're gonna kind of just dive into the movie. We're yeah. gonna talk about the movie fully. So you haven't seen so enjoy it. What are you doing? Well, you, oh, got a, you got a quick. half hour of also us talking about stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. So. Before before we really get into that, have we talked about like you you watched Breaking Bad um, after like it was like the last episode, and then you're like, well, I guess it's time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was your and and so how how long like how many days did it take you to like get through the show? One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd say it took about like five to six days because yeah. it's not they're not that long. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I watch fast, so yeah, yeah. and I think I had a weekend, so it was just yeah. like sit down and get through. And it, it, I think maybe it took me two weeks actually because the first season took me a while to get through. Where I was yeah. like, the pilot's good, and then I'm like. You know, like, there's cool stuff happening, but it's, like, not really, like, doing anything for me. Then the finale where it's Tuco, right? And he, yeah, he, he beats blows. the shit out of his uh, one guy. And yeah. you're just like, oh, they don't know what they're doing. They think they yeah. think that they know what they're doing, and they don't. And then after that, it's, they do a good job of always setting up these characters to be in just the worst possible scenarios. Yeah. Where, so you get, like, a, a nice little endorphin rush when they... They get out of it. You're like, oh, yeah. they're fine. They figured it out. No, they don't. They yeah. they keep going bigger and bigger, and eventually the whole thing's going to fall down on them, and it does. And uh, so, what was your feelings? So, um, coming off of the finale, like a lot of hype, obviously on the show. Did you feel like it lived up to the hype? That, you know, when you were when oh you yeah, were and it? I even knew some of the things that were going to happen, but they were still surprises because the show did a good job distracting me. Where yeah. like I knew about. Um, Jesse Plemons' character, Meth Damon's character, yeah, what yeah, happens yeah. with the train heist. I know, I knew yeah. what happened, but I forgot. And also, yeah. it was like when the kid shows up in that episode, I'm like, oh, I this is gonna suck. And yeah. but I totally forgot until the end, and it happens, and I still gasp. There was a um, same thing, similar thing happened with when I watched The Shield. I'd actually seen like a stray episode at one point, so I knew what happened with the character. And then when I actually sat down to watch the show completely slipped my mind oh yeah with um hank i knew what happened i knew as soon as they introduced like the neo-nazis i'm like that's what's gonna happen and in the scene when it happens i still was surprised and i gasped i'm like oh no everyone's the walt fucked up yeah fucked up big big time and yeah he's responsible he it's just it was incredible and i really dug the finale i liked the like flash forwards that we were getting they they i thought they were utilized well um, big shout out to Denny's um, mm-hmm. with a fun, cool sign. Yeah. Um, no, overall, I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was a, a solid end for Walter White because he's a bad, he's a bad he's man. A bit, yeah. Um, there were some scenes where they, uh, some scenes were described to me as like being people's favorite, and they didn't really resonate with me. Like um, when he finds that all the money's gone underneath the house. Oh, um, crawl which space. A, a yeah. lot of people really liked that scene. It didn't resonate with me. I thought it was good. It didn't yeah. like. Some people were like, it's haunting. And I think yeah. it was just, that was way too hyped up for me. And, yeah, since, yeah, yeah. and I could see it coming from that was something that was not surprising to me. Yeah. Uh, but that it's not like a criticism of the show. It was my own experiences leading up to it that made it less special. So for you, what um, what are the things that, that stick with you? So like for me, 
um, the final, <laughs> the finale of Gus, well, well, something that will always stick with me, but that whole season four, because I kind of thought ending season three, where basically it's Walt versus Gus, I'm like, well, they got to resolve this in a couple episodes. And it turns out it's a whole season of just cold, uh, basically a cold war between Walt and Gus and mm-hmm. Gus and, and basically every avenue Walt has being like dis- demolished until it's literally like, I, th- there's no way out of this. And then he, he finds the one uh shitty like hole that he's able to wiggle his way through and make it through so that season um season oh and then where i began was one minute in season three and that blew my mind um so basically one minute so one minute yeah yeah. one minute's where where uh the two brothers want to go after walt um but walt's an earner for gus so gus sticks him on hank Mm -hmm. and but he gives hank a heads up basically because like it's a win-win for Gus. Either either Hank goes or the cousins go or ideally both go. Uh, and so that the way that whole thing plays out. So about the middle of season three through season four, I think maybe one of the best runs in TV ever. Is there is there stuff for you kind of knowing the maybe the highlights? Was there stuff that like stuck with you more or stood out to you more? I mean, it was a fun like story device having the guy who would – Ding the bell, like, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. The, the guy's dad, right? Yeah. Or his nephew, uncle, or something like yeah. that. I don't remember. Um, also, something that I just realized that something that was stuck in my brain that I didn't remember what the importance of it was mm-hmm. was when those two brothers crawl on the ground to the like the yeah. Dia de los Muertos yeah. like shrine. Did know what that meant, and mm-hmm. uh, I I forgot that we learned what that was later, or enough of what it, yeah. that was later. But I only had the memory of them crawling on the ground. I'm like, oh, stupid TV show. <laughs> um, I mean, the Gus death scene, I knew what it was because Steve would wear a t-shirt with, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with yeah, the, yeah. His, Spoilers. his two-face yeah. on it. And so I knew what that was, but yeah. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I'm like, it's supposed to be like a bomb at some point? And no. I'm like, I have no idea what that is. And that was a still that a solid whole, surprise. That whole sequence is perfect because mm-hmm. uh, the music that plays when he walks into the center and that, the way I, – I love that sequence. I should rewatch it because I really like that sequence. I like the final season. I also, and I also should work Controversial opinion. I – a lot of fly, people like fly that. Fly is one of my favorite. Or a bird, it's beloved. It, but it's also uh, some people's least favorite. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. It's so, a bottle episode. Yeah. Fly is actually one of my favorite episodes because even uh, because I think that's like two episodes after I started. So I didn't even know what Walt did. Mm-hmm. Um, other than like there was probably like a previous Leon or whatever. But the there's the scene where I think Jesse's climbing up on the ladder to get the fly and Walt Walt's just completely breaking down and he starts apologizing and Jesse thinks he's apologizing for the stupid fucking fly and Walt's apologizing because he murdered he let his girlfriend die. Mm-hmm. Great. So amazing. Mm-hmm. Walter is a bad man. He is a piece of shit. Yeah. And I like the little hint of it we get in um in we're are there we're in spoilers for El Camino. We're off the just everybody knows we're in spoilers. There's a flashback to Walt and Jesse at a diner, and this is this is just at the beginning, basically, I, like early season two. Uh, and he's like, yeah, you, you don't have to wait your whole life to do something special. Oh, fuck, fucking Walt, you piece of shit. You have a kid for crying out loud. You know what I did? I revisited that scene again, and then I went back and looked at like some of the shots from Breaking Bad. I'm like, ah, oh, he's wearing a bald cap. That's okay. <laughs> that's fine. But he's got a little bit more domey up top. Yeah. <laughs> he's a little bit more cue ball up yeah. top. Uh, but, and also, I think the show does a good job when it comes to their relationship because wouldn't you not want to hang out with Jesse? Well, you, the thing I love the most, but one of the things that, that always gets me about that show is the way it expertly navigates the fact that just Walt and Jesse can't not be shitty to each other. Mm-hmm. Either Jesse's being nice and Walt's a piece of shit or Walt's being nice and Jesse's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, those motherfuckers love each other. Yeah. And it's my favorite aspect of the whole fucking story because it's just and you just want them to just acknowledge that you you two fucking love each other. Just hug it out, man. Mm-hmm. And stop being so fucking petty. Yeah. And, but also we have people like that in our lives. Everybody has people like that in your in your lives and it's just frustrating yeah. and also when you see that they're both pieces of shit to each other and it's yeah. like yeah you guys probably shouldn't be around each other but you do care about one another also, to a degree a perfect bottle of that of that relationship is in el camino when he's like you know you have to get your while trying to be father he's like you just have to get your gd that shouldn't be a big deal i graduated you were there you yeah. were on stage you gave me my diploma <laughs> 
That was such a good joke. Um, oh, fuck. I, my GED, I gra- yeah, graduated, I graduated high school. Yeah. It was a college he didn't do. Yeah. So fucking funny. But getting into the movie, um, I think Aaron Paul gave an expert performance when it came so to dealing with trauma. Um, and But also, it's more not about dealing with trauma as a whole. It's just seeing how this specific person... It, it's not even like trying to do something deeper than like a lot of other shows, like this is what PTSD is. Yeah. Like, it's, not, it's not doing that. It's no. just showing that this person was literally tortured for six months yeah. and forced to do something against his will, and it was treated like an animal. And now he's, a, he's out, and he doesn't know what to do. He's like a cornered animal. And at no. any point, he knows that if he doesn't stop... If he stops moving at any point, he will get caught by someone. Yeah. We don't know who. Like... Maybe the Nazis again. Maybe the cops. Yeah. We don't know. So, and his life's over. It's yeah. been over for a long time. And I, I really like that performance. And the best ex, best display of that is when the air quote cops uh, mm-hmm. have him cornered and he starts crying, like crying, yeah. crying, and hands over the guns. Because it's it's intense because it's like Jesse, it, and Brigham did a good job of this too. It's it's Jesse starts off the show as a criminal and Walt starts off the show as just a suburban dad. But the truth of the characters is Jesse's actually a pretty decent person, and Walt is not. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Jesse has lines. Walt does not. Um, there, there's no – if you corner Walt, uh, if Walt had been caught in the same situation as Jesse in this, he would have 100% killed those guys mm-hmm. One, and then found some sort of stupid equivocation why it was okay. Jesse won't. It's not until later that he, he realizes, like, oh shit, I fucked up. These guys aren't actually. Cops. Yeah, you should you should kill these people. Um, and uh, and he does. And later, it just takes him a minute. Um, and it's not just the Nazis. It's Jesse trying to. It's all the bullshit Jesse went through, and when his time with Walt that just fucking detonated his entire life on like every conceivable level. But at the same time, though, it it. It just evolved him, you know, yeah. like, and that's not a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just saying it's, it got him to a place where he is a better person in some aspects and no. not in others. Uh, but I did want to think Captain, uh, what is it? Captain Quick? Captain, Captain Cook. He was his, was his, uh, not his, what is it? Nom, nom de whatever. Nom de plume. Uh, when he was cooking meth originally before, uh, Heisenberg showed up. Uh, I don't think Captain Cook's going to be showing up again. Probably in his life. not. Yeah. Uh, hopefully not. Yeah. You'd, you'd hope he wouldn't fall back into that he's good at it but don't do that uh i did want to address something because we actually have the question in the discord and thank you for asking the question uh pino uh, you can be a part of the Discord at patreon.com slash only stupid answers. There you go. Did you find the movie necessary and or satisfying? Now, I've seen so many questions about this, and I just kind of oh. want to put it out there. Pino, thank you for sending in the the question. I appreciate it. But also, to, to that point, I don't think is it necessary is a fair question because yeah. it, it, it feels it, it it feels like a pointless question, basically. Yeah. It's like it, it's just another story that they want to tell. This isn't really... Uh, it, you could view it as like milking the franchise for something else because like they got Better Call Saul out of it, which is a well-renowned show. Yes. And but but questioning why they made this thing and maybe possibly like it tarnishing Breaking Bad, like it, it, it's not this this show creator has never really overstayed his welcome for the most part. Yeah, um, he's only finishing out a story for a character that is beloved, and if people were on board with it, then why not give it a shot? And if you're given yeah. the, the budget of a full feature length film, yeah, why wouldn't you take that shot and yeah. just tell the story that has nothing to do with your show, any, your original show anymore? It's just it finishing off one character's story. He does interact with people from Breaking Bad, and we actually get a scene that, that was from the show, but for the most part, it's his own journey yeah so i don't know if if it's necessary is even a, a worthwhile question to ask for something like I this think, well i wonder if people bring it up just because it essentially ends on a similar note of jesse escaping the the uh show ends with jesse driving off and you imagine that he's going to be fine and then this show ends with him having accomplished that uh, did you hear about the possible other ending, the original ending Vince Gilligan oh, no. had? The original ending, uh, because he likes irony in his storytelling, his original plan was Jesse's struggling for freedom the whole time. And uh, throughout the movie, he meets another character, and basically he sacrifices his freedom to save that character. And he ends up going to prison, but being at peace about it because he saved this other person. Oh. Um, uh, which isn't awful, but he told it to um, his girlfriend who, who is, it helps him with the creative process. And he, he ran it past like, the writer's room, Better Call Saul, and everybody's like, Are you fucking crazy? Everybody want, don't, we want to see Jesse be okay. Mm-hmm. Like, don't make him not okay. 
Um, so maybe that would have surprised people more. But uh, and we talked a little bit about this on Collider Live because I was thinking about the nature of that. But I've aspect of the show has always been the procedural aspect in that it is very it's very rare that a sh- the show's like well and then this happened it's like no we're going to show you in painstaking detail the effort that the characters have to go through to accomplish any thing like there's a whole sequence in uh, in fact there's a couple sequences in better call Saul where mike's tailing somebody or having somebody's tailing him and he has to throw them off and you see all the little things that he does because that mike values the details uh it's a whole plot point it's a it's like a storytelling point in better call Saul. that if you're going to create a lie or tell a story the details are what sells it mm-hmm. and that's part of the ethos of bring bad and better call Saul. those details you can't just say so the the point is, I think this is part of the the narrative structure of the Breaking Bad universe. It's one thing to say, "Oh, just escaped," mm-hmm. but you know, Vince Gilligan in his mind is like, "But like, how though? Like, yeah. he can't just drive away. Like, mm-hmm. he's he's a like he's cops are going after Walter right now. Yeah. So how could he possibly and they drive know away? Jesse's got, they're looking for this guy. So mm-hmm. what?" are the steps that this person would have to do to accomplish that. And that, and I, I personally love that aspect of the show. So when you not only say like, okay, well first he'd need to, he'd need to get rid of the car. And so that's where Badger and Skinny P come in. Then he'd need money. Well, how does he get money? Well, now we need to tell a story about the one time that the meth Damon, the most low key sociopath ever takes him to go get rid of, his uh the the nanny the house cleaner because she found the money you know what i mean like you have to expound on those details and i love those little like detours and asides oh, yeah. and all that stuff and the, yeah the that whole like story is just like a long detour yeah. and and exploring that like yeah jesse tried to get away one time mm-hmm. but that had been beaten out of him it uh twice because something that the that the show uh the movie alludes to but and i had to remember is um he Try to escape once, and that's why they killed his girlfriend. And so that's when he makes the threat that if you do it again, we're going to go after the kid. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't try. <laughs> you wouldn't try. Yeah. You but even at, at a certain point, though, he's so distraught that he's like, maybe if yeah. I kill him now, if I kill Meth Damon now, yeah. I could get to the kid and get him. But also, he's like, yeah. no, yeah. no, he's going to grab pepperoni pizza. Yeah. yeah. Oh, awful. And also, is it worth it? It's worth it just to see those two actors play off each other as those characters, 100%. Uh, Aaron Paul, fun little trivia fact, said uh, there are no plans for a sequel to this movie, and it, this is supposed to be a wrap-up of, wrap of Jesse's story. Please. And that's, that's fine. Because if we stop back in, it means something bad happened. Yeah. And at this point, it's like, no, I'm good. At this point... Please let Jesse be fun. Mm-hmm. And also, just a shout out, you guys should watch The Righteous Gemstones on HBO if you happen to have it. And uh, The actor Scott MacArthur oh, so uh, plays the antagonist in this film and in The Righteous Gemstones season one. He will not be back for season two, and you <laughs> will watch why. Yeah. And it is wonderful. It's wonderful, might be a stretch, but it's hilarious when yeah. you find out why. And um, that he, finale was so good. It was so funny. Well, I was a karate man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, I, I know we're going off on a tangent with Righteous Gemstones, but the other thing I really appreciate about that is the show Righteous Gemstones circles back at the end and kind of shows you the the appeal of is for all the deconstruction of like the church community and mega churches and all that stuff. It circles back at the end of like the core of why this stuff means stuff to people. Cause it's about, maybe you can be better. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can be better. Maybe we could all together make the world a better place. If, if we all like work hand in hand, it's like, I didn't expect that from this show, but mm-hmm. I'm glad that, that there's layers to it. There's Danny the good McBride, and the bad. I think Danny McBride doesn't get enough credit for the most part in the general, yeah. in the, in the, general like zeitgeist people don't really give him enough credit that he's usually the jerk off boner guy yeah uh with curly hair mm-hmm. um and he, he's got this other accent and stuff uh but no he it's cool how this show got really thought-provoking yeah and it's thoughtful bet quick side note on that then we'll go back to el camino i was listening to an interview with adam divine who plays danny mcbride's brother yes. and writes gemstones and he says when they were meeting about this show he was offered the role yeah and so that's and that'd be so flattering because yeah. he said he was a big fan of danny mcbride they were meeting in north carolina where they shot the show so he flew out they were meeting at a restaurant he gets there and there's like a little potted plant and he can clearly see like danny mcbride <laughs> behind it and he pops out and he says boo scared you motherfucker and yeah. it was like and as soon as he said it you could hear yes. danny mcbride yeah. saying that and he's like oh i have to do this show yeah. and i'm like that's 
fucking great. That made me so happy. So go watch that show. We're getting a season two of that as well. But back to El Camino. Although, uh, weirdly, Pride should be on it. If it was only, <laughs> yes, he should. Uh, if that was the end of the show, actually, I wouldn't hate it. it, was, it was I wouldn't nice, hate it either. It was a nice, like... We didn't house. finish it, though. We didn't finish... There's still some threads there that 100%. they could still explore. Man, what is it? Is it... Um, what's that actress's name? Uh, Edie... Uh, that plays the sister. I got you. I got her pulled up. Hold on. Uh, uh, she's so funny. Mm-hmm. She gets a she gets a monologue in the finale. That's the, one of the most disturbing things <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire e. life. Patterson. Oh my god. Uh, so funny. But she's a bad person. Yeah. She. They. They are all. And then the brother. I just thought. Me. Oh, maybe I'm Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense yeah. for a whole like uh, for like like this kid who's been sheltered his entire life, yeah. and he's in a mega church that's like the most important church yeah. in the country. So maybe. now maybe I'm thinking another guy. No, you're ne- you're neither of those things. You're just you. You're, it's okay. Oh my god. Anyway, oh apparently Robert Forrester's been a vacuum cleaner in the past, or he was a vacuum cleaner in the past. So he may be dug into that. Yeah, to, to do to a good do job. His role. Yeah, it's again, it's another fantastic uh, performance by him, and I like the way. This show weaves in these other characters because it doesn't feel forced. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think I said this in a review. I, I was concerned that maybe it was just going to be a big like victory lap or jerk off section. It's just something less um, fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, it was not that. It was it, it was a, a perfect epilogue to the show, especially as someone who kind of thought Jesse was underserved in the finale. This resolved that for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good note to you know because let's be honest, Better Call Saul is not going to end great. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> not going to yeah, it's, it literally it can't. can't. So it's like yeah, let's you know what? Let's let, have this thing be the last thing on the Breaking Bad timeline. That listen, Saul's life is ruined, Walter's life is ruined, the people around them's lives are ruined. But you know what? Jesse Pinkman got out. Fun fact: uh, Mike is the only character that's been in all three properties. Mm-hmm. It's weird that Saul didn't show up in really any form in this. He's got his own show. Oh, yeah, of course. Sense. But yeah. it's it, to get all the big Breaking Bad characters in in one thing one more time. Yeah, we'll see if if um, Jesse and Walter show up at all in Better Call Saul in some sort of capacity. But I would be surprised, and I also don't need it. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah, that's. I do recommend if you like El Camino, you like Breaking Bad, I do recommend uh, Better Call Saul. It's a little more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a little less pulpy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no no magnets, bitch, or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but the uh, Saul's fall from grace is a little bit more complex than Walt's. Mm-hmm. Um, because Fun. like Walt was like, starts off good and then becomes bad. Uh, Saul's already told Jim, uh, Jimmy McGill has already told that he's a piece of shit and it's his struggle to not be that and him failing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fun fact, just like I'm looking up like fun trivia facts about the movie in Meth Damon's apartment, they have the tarantula and that yes. actually has significant importance to Breaking Bad, which I did not know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that he apparently, that character, Todd, yeah. collected that spider then uh, right after killing the child uh, in Dead Freight because apparently it's crawling around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then he just picked it up and took it home, which I don't think I mean, it's like a tarantula. People aren't I, domesticating those. Yeah, I, I'm fine if it's just a tarantula. I don't know if he needs to pick it up from that. Well, they're it's a they're good, saying that's I what it was. I know. It's a good callback to that scene, but I, I don't know if I'm going to believe in my head canon that it's the exact same tarantula. I mean, he killed a kid, and he's like, you know what? I did a good job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Yay me. I get a pet, a boring pet. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this movie, I, I'm going to find myself watching it again very soon, mainly because... Um, I still haven't seen the opening scene with Mike <laughs> all the way through. It's a really well edited movie. I'm glad that with a budget of a feature film, they're able to make that you could just see like the Vince Gilligan. I actually want to know who was the DP or the person who decided the visual tone of this. Show. Yeah, I want to say, and I'll look it up now. I want to say the person that shot it actually worked primarily on Better Call Saul. Gotcha. But yeah. there's a, I don't know if Better Call Saul has the same like creative uh, storytelling visually that Breaking Bad had as well. Would yes, you say it does? Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, then that show's worth it. This epi- this um, movie has a lot of that. Excuse me. A little burpy. Um, I just really appreciated seeing those scenes once again. It's very Wes Anderson, like adjacent. It's not as organized and uh, OCD, but like yeah. it, it has some of that creativity that I really appreciate. And then honestly, like uh, we were talking about this and I, I saw someone else make a comment about this, that this movie can't exist really in any other form. Like it's, it's more, 
there's more thought put into it than I feel like most TV movies have. It's basically a TV movie, but at the same time, it's like it feels like a feature film. But at the same, it also well, it it's a Breaking Bad movie. Yeah. It's not a movie. It's a continuation, and it's more than just two episodes of a show. You yeah. know, it's better than a, it's more than a special. And with that, like, it's cool that we talked about earlier when it comes to like primal and the existence of that couldn't have really existed before, but yeah. because now we have streaming services and adult uh, things like adult swim, yeah. things like that can. And so with this, with Netflix and Hulu and other streaming services, you're allowed, like people are allowed now to tell these weirder stories yeah. that it is just a movie, but at the same time, there's yeah. more to but it. it. Uh, you know, Breaking Bad already blurred the line. Uh, um, Breaking Bad was already a very cinematic show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that complicates things even more because now you're comparing it to a show that was already you know, um, kind of above and beyond a lot of like, you know, any of your CBS procedurals or whatever. You know what I mean? One of the Chicago's. Yeah, one of those Chicago's. Um, how so, many Chicago's do we have? While we end this, yeah, let me look how... wrap this wrap this up. We'll look up how many Chicago's we have and whether we should be watching all of them. Maybe that's, you know what? After Super TV, maybe we start uh, the Chicago show. And watch all of those Chicago shows for their cross. What are theirs? What is their Crisis in Pinned Earths? Does the Law and Order characters show up? They better. Yeah. Why else do it? So yeah, okay. Oh, Chicago Justice, which uh-huh. only got one season. <laughs> That's which is insane that it only got one season. If yeah. PD, uh, Fire, and Med are still going, first one was Fire, twenty twelve. Yeah. Then twenty fourteen we got PD. Then twenty fifteen we got Med. Then twenty seventeen we tried out uh, Chicago. Uh, what was it? Chicago. Justice, that's what it was. Yeah. And it's, uh, I can't, 13 episodes, they blew it. Because you know what? You know what show's still going? NCIS New Orleans, which is, Jeez. that's insane that that's still going. Los Angeles started in 2009, oh my and that's God. still going. Uh, New Orleans started in 2014, and that's still going. Scott Bakula, he's the lead of that one. Yeah. Quantum leapt right into that <laughs> successful show, huh? And Mark Harmon, they're ending that show soon, but that started in 2013. There you go. So that's all the your. Uh, Why watch Breaking Bad when you've got these shows? Exactly. No <laughs> wonder we let Breaking Bad go after six seasons, five seasons. Mm-hmm. But gang, thank you so much for joining us. If you're joining us on Patreon, we appreciate it. Make sure you tune in Thursday, 3 p.m. PST with Roxy Stryer as we talk about all the superhero shows. Next, we're going to be talking about Watchmen. Ooh. The premiere is this Sunday on HBO, and I'm very excited to see how they're going to ruin it. No, they're going <laughs> <laughs> to. We're going in positive. Yep. There, you, there are improvements you can do to the story. I, I promise. I promise there is. Um, so I'm excited to see what that's like, and we'll be talking about it next week. So make sure you tune in. So it's five bucks a month. You'll get all the audio podcasts you would have ever want. It's going to fill up your all your drive time, all your commute time. Don't no. worry. You don't delete all your other podcasts because we got you covered. Follow us at Sam Basher on Twitter at DJ Talks Trash and at Only Stupid Answers. And you got the bells from Stupid. Bing bang boom. Make sure you review this on iTunes because it helps move it up in the charts. And hey, if you want one more podcast, I'm saying just one more. Mm-hmm. Check out one more time with Sam Basher. Go ahead. Go ahead, did. Go, go check it out. DJ did an episode. We I talked was on about it. Transformers 5, The Last Night. It was a fun episode. It was a rough movie to get through. Yeah. I really had to chug my way through it. But uh, next week, or next time, I'm going to be doing Suicide Squad, and that's going to be a, a fun one. So we'll see you guys in uh, next time. Bye. The ending Bye. really kind of buffed it. Bye.